The following is a message from Reverend Ken Belden of Wellsprings Congregation. A week ago Saturday was one of those epic laundry days in our house. You know, when life has been busy and it just piles and piles and piles and the hills become mountains until finally you just look for 15 minutes every morning for something clean to wear. Well, finally it was time to pay the piper and so last Saturday was cleaning and drying and folding and putting away and my wife and I woke up last Sunday morning and just just the atmosphere of our house is so much different open we could breathe again hallelujah and then we were getting ready I saw right on the dresser this lone lonely sock And because this is something I like to do, I started to compose a little song for this sock. (laughs) Stray sock, who are you looking for? Stray sock, are they inside the drawer? Stray sock, you know that I care. Stray sock, I help you become a pair. (laughs) I'm not going to sing that, but that was intended as a song. And and because this is my want, because uh, I just don't know when to let anything rest, uh, I continue to tinker with it and wrote a verse to go with that chorus. And so today, I'd like to offer the premiere of Words by Ken, music by my wife, Teresa, sung and played by our own Melissa. (laughs) The world premiere of Stray Sock. First, and probably final, like a Broadway show that opens and closes on the same night, performance of Stray Sock. 
Now, that will probably not, probably, let's just say probably not top the charts. Although, Melissa, that was awesome. (laughs) Teresa, thank you for staying up with me till one in the morning this last Wednesday night. So you could put the music to that. The point is not that this is a great song. Although it kind of is. <laughs> the point is that it points at what today's Stories with Soul story is all about. I'll just remind you the series that Reverend Lee and I are doing, Stories with Soul, about the wisdom, the deep wisdom within kids' literature, children's stories. Today's is actually a very simple story. Well, simple in the fact that there are no words for it. It's called Shadow by a South Korean artist named Susie Lee. And if you'd show it, please. It is very simply the story of a girl who goes up to the attic in her house, turns on the lights in this dark attic, and sees all the commonplace objects in that attic come to life because of the shadows. It's fantastical. It's a little bit like a domesticated upstairs where the wild things. It's about imagination. But even more. It's about the soulful capacity for playfulness. Playfulness that allows us to see the commonplace objects as not fixed, not final, not fully formed. And not just the commonplace objects, playfulness that allows us to see each other's lives, our lives, everything around us as not fixed, not final, not fully ever expressed. Playfulness allows us to maybe not take the meaning and the meanings of our lives as a given. And if we don't take the meanings of our lives as a given then maybe we don't have to end up taking our lives for granted. Which is a spiritual affliction in this country. Always has been all over the place. I think it's particularly true right now. I think it's particularly true for many of us who, you know, kind of aren't, aren't, aren't so young and aren't so old. You know, kind of in the middle of things, you know, doing serious stuff. Building our lives, building our careers, building our families, building our homes. All that serious stuff. Good stuff. Nothing's wrong with it at all. Uh, you know, what I like, though, however, is that the the, um, the very young haven't learned that yet. <laughs> and very often the very old are doing beautiful work of unlearning it. Perhaps we might even call that enlightenment. Because this is uh, the spiritual affliction shows up in the stress of our society, which is really weird in all kinds of ways. And one of the ways that we reveal our soul sickness as a culture is that we love competition. But very rarely do we talk about playfulness. Love competition, love to divide the world into winners and losers. But playfulness, wonder, awe, fun for its own sake, that is not something that we hear celebrated very often in this country. And by the way, this is showing up in our public policy. It's certainly showing up how, at least on the mass cultural level, we're screwing up our kids by taking away their music and taking away their art and preparing them for the economy and all these things we say we got to do to prepare them to be successful adults. I mean, we're cutting out recess. We're cutting out playtime. And by the way, if you talk to every developmental psychologist worth their salt, they will tell you that the most important thing a child can do is play. 
Learn to play. Learn to self-organize life. Learn to create meaning from shadows. Learn how to create songs from socks. And yet our anxiety, this deep anxiety that sometimes comes out as vicious anger, we're casting that out on our kids and taking away from them something that actually they should be reminding us of the forming, always forming nature of our lives. And so in this um, in this political season that I am already so sick to death of, I cannot tell you how many people I have blocked on Facebook, not because I disagree with them, but simply because I don't want any more political stories showing up as 95% of what I'm going to read. I want to read about people writing poems about the grass. <laughs> or socks. Well, that's why I did it. You know, you got to offer what you want. And so uh, here's the thing. I have only one question that I'd like to ask a politician or any politicians running for office this uh, season. Uh, I might start with something like, you know, what Jesus saying, because, you know, we like to talk about religion and politics and be very serious and, you know, it's important stuff and say, well, you know, Jesus talked about that. Uh, you know, what does it profit us to, profit us to uh, gain the world but lose your soul? And they'll probably talk about, you know, losing that seriousness of a tent with ethics and, and I'll say, no, 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 that's not what Jesus is talking about. And I'll rephrase. And I'll ask, how do you play? And they'll probably answer by talking about how they win or how they lose and how they compete. And I'll say, no, 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 no. How do you play? Because the truth is, I do not trust any leader, myself included, who does not have the time to play. Who does not have the time to engage in unstructured, unforming, unlearning, awe, wonder for its own sake. And this is something I've seen in the lives of a lot of adults over the years and at times in my own life. We think we know something. We think we know someone. We think we know life so well, so well, so thoroughly, so in touch that what we do is decide we will completely ignore it. Because we know it so well. But of course, that is not the real nature of life. This kind of locked-in attitude towards things, it has a lot of negative effects. It brings a lot of sadness. Sometimes it brings despair within it. I think of Martin Seligman, who teaches at University of Pennsylvania, has for years, and talks about learned optimism, talks about authentic happiness, talks about the fact that he, like me, is by habit, by family, I don't want to say by nature, but has a strong pessimistic and despairing streak. Martin Seligman talks about the three P's of pessimism. Permanent, this will never change. Personal, if I failed, it is entirely my fault. And pervasive. I just didn't fail. I'm a loser. Permanent, personal, and pervasive. This is why I write songs about socks. Or song about socks. <laughs> Although once I find the other one, there might be a whole reunion theme here. Oh, I'm getting a little misty thinking of there. 
I've been open in the past, if you've been around here for a while, about the fact that that depression and anxiety is part of my life experience. And I'm aware, as perhaps many of you are aware, that uh, this month is Mental Health Awareness Month. And that there are millions of our fellow citizens and many people within our families who struggle with depression, mental illness. And fortunately, you know, I can say for my own life right now, um, I'm doing quite well. I'm doing quite well. And I know at times in my life when I wasn't doing so well, simply writing a song about a sock was was not going to get it done entirely. And in terms of my ongoing health and well-being and maintenance of my own soul and my own heart, writing that song about that sock is absolutely essential. It is absolutely essential, I believe, for all human beings to maintain that capacity for what is known as beginner's mind. This wonderful teaching that uh, many Westerners became familiar with several decades back from a guy named Shunryu Suzuki who taught at the San Francisco Zen Center. And recently, one of Suzuki's uh, first Western students died. Blanche Hartman was her name, Zenkai Blanche Hartman, to use her Zen honorific. And there's been a lot of loving remembrances of Blanche Hartman and how she really took into her own heart this teaching of beginner's mind, which Suzuki said is basically comes down to this. He said, in the expert's mind, there are very few possibilities. In the beginner's mind, there are a whole host of possibilities. And Blanche Hartman was uh, interviewed not too long ago before her death. And this was replayed a lot this week. And she talked about an experience of what It was when she really witnessed Beginner's Mind, and it was with a lunch during a young child named Indigo, who was part of the larger family of the San Francisco Zen Center, and they were sitting there at lunch, and uh, Indigo, who maybe was like three or four, picked up this object on the table and started banging it and looking at it and put it in his mouth and put it back down and waved it around through the air, and Blanche Hartman would say, you know, the, the adult answer to this is it's a spoon. It sits there. You use it for soup. But Indigo's experience of the spoon was this deep, loving curiosity. What is this? I'm not going to take this for granted. It is a kind of love, this freshness of seeing, this freshness of mind and perspective. And I have to believe that this capacity for seeing anything, a spoon especially, shows up as something like the first person who did this. Life invites us to repurpose things all the time so that our lives are not just the expression of the same old, same old, same old. And we wonder where the time went and we wonder, is this all there is? And all those other forms of adult cynical despair. I mean, this is one of our core beliefs here at Wellsprings. The burning bush is blazing everywhere. As Peter Mayer says, everything is holy now. Wisdom is not done with us. Emerson said, God speaketh, not spake. This is the intention behind these words that some of you have seen that we put, many of us, on social media in the last 20 months or so since I first invited us to do it. Hashtag ordinary praise. Socks and meals and days where it rains or eventually will show sun. And this way of looking at our life is saying all this stuff that it can be a real tendency for those of us who are especially in the middle of life to overlook 
All this basic stuff is base. And by base, we don't mean low or common. We mean the baseline of our lives, the essential stuff. And out of it arises all, all of the meaning. We are made up of base stuff. If we overlook the base stuff, we are also overlooking ourselves and our own lives. To look deeply, to continue to look deeply, it is to pay attention and to keep on paying attention. Because if you listen deeply and look deeply and allow your heart to open deeply, something really cool will happen. You, we, me, all of us will hear this world into speech. And then even something more amazing will happen. Something even better will happen. This world will then speak you into life. This world will call us back to recognizing that we are all a part of it, not separate from it, and that the fairy tales and the myths and the great stories and the sacred scriptures, they were all pointing to this one fact. The world, if you pay attention to it, if we pay attention to it, is an absolutely enchanted place. If we can look with love, then what is will show us its colors. Kind of like a wild creature that if we go tromping up to it, Parker Palmer, the Quaker teacher, is a great little uh, version of this story. If we go tromping up to that wild teacher, it, it will just flee from us. But if we approach it gently, kindly, if we love it for what it is, what is will show us its colors. But first we have to be willing to befriend our lives. Learning not to see by rote, learning not to see by cynicism, learning not to see by there is nothing new under the sun, learning not to see by dogmatic faith, but by the kind of faith that says the doors of these perceptors, of this perception, is still open. And it opens to awareness and possibility and potential that is unending. If we choose to pay attention. There's a wonderful teacher named Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen, who first learned this story when she was very young from her grandfather, who was very old. Those of us in the middle really got to listen to the very young and the very old. For her first, fourth birthday, her grandfather gave her a small cup with dirt in it. And at first she said, um, is this my birthday present? And he said, yes, I want you to water it every day. And because she loved her grandfather, she watered it every day. But nothing eventually happened. Eventually, she grew a little bit impatient, as we all can do. And he said, Nishumala, which is Yiddish for sweet soul. Nishumala, keep watering it every day. Keep watering it. And then eventually, it happened. It grew and it grew and it grew, and it grew. And she said, Grandpa, is this all I need to do? Water it? And he said, no, Nishimala. All it needs is your faithfulness. This is what life needs, our faithfulness. To see the song that's already in the sock, 
to see the poem that's already in the grass, to see the seed that is already planted within us, asking us, asking me, asking you, asking all of us, show me your faithfulness that life is not fixed and final and formed and is unending and ongoing. And then life will show us, show me, show you that life has always been abundant, that creation is not far off. It is in our sight our sight, our touch, our taste, our hearts, and life is not far off from me, from you, from us, from this, from that, from him, from her, from them. Life is not far off. We, it, us, all a part of it. Asking us, show me your faithfulness, and then I will show you life. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. Breathing in and breathing out. Inspirited. This is the first prayer. This is the first prayer reminding us life is always movement. Life is always flow. Life is never formed. Life is always forming. May we remember the breath and through remembering this breath, always flowing, always moving, always giving us right now what we need right now in this moment. This here, the breath reminding us, take me in and then release and open to the next breath after that, reminding us that in the midst of this world full of so much trouble, so much pain, so much despair. That if we would continue to open and show our faithfulness, we would remember that we are not separate, alienated, alone. That we are amongst the common things. Which is to say that we are amongst the holy things. Amen. If you enjoyed this message and would like to support the mission of Wellsprings, go to our website, wellspringsuu.org. That's Wellsprings, the letters UU. Dot O-R-G.